My name's Scott. It's, it's lovely to have you here. Thanks for coming to the seminar stream. This is my wife, Katie. Hello. We're hosting the seminar stream, uh, which is real life, real questions, real answers. So throughout the week, we're going to be tackling some of the really big issues that came up on prayer cards from last year and, and tackling those in our seminar topics. So hopefully you'll see those throughout the week. Today is handling the low times. Andy Floyd, who's around it. There we go. Down the front. Give us a wave. Um, so Katie and I, um, we're involved in leading a church in Lancaster, which is a town up north, quite a long way. And uh, we've come here today. We've got two children and another one on the way, as you might be able to see. So there we go. <laughs> so Katie's very bravely camping on a, on a lilo this week that deflates the whole time. So she woke up on the floor this morning, True story. unfortunately. Not funny. So yeah, we, um, we've got two children, Max and Mary, who are five and three. So they're involved in the kids' work here. And it's a real privilege to, to, to be talking to you as well this week. So tomorrow I'm doing one of the talks and then Katie's talking on Friday. Friday. I'll pass over to you. Cool. Wow, you can't really accuse New Day of not addressing some of the big issues, can you, in life? Which I think is fantastic. Um, Scott, I think you just said the, the issues that we're looking at throughout New Day and throughout definitely this seminar stream are the things that the young people and people on the streets have written down on those prayer cards to the Who Cares campaign we did a few years ago. Um, and absolutely, this is real life, isn't it? And we all have real questions. And actually, there are real answers because there is absolute truth in this world. God is real. He cares about us. So there are answers. So please come to this seminar stream and come for yourself and hear about truth for life's problems. But come if you've got friends who are battling and struggling and you want to hear how to impart truth into their life for where they are really battling. Um, so that's what I wanted to say, and I will now welcome Andy, who's going to be talking to us, um, handling the low times. But before that, let's hear a bit about you. Thank you very much. Tell us about you, Andy. What do you want to know? Where are you from? Uh, I'm from London. I'm a Londoner. Any Londoners in the house? Yes, southeast London. So that's where I come from. I'm pretty much raised in, in that area. Cool. And what church are you with? It's a church called King's Church London. <laughs> oh, there's a few in here. Great. Nice. And who are you here with at New Day? Uh, so I'm married. I'm here with my wife, Sarah, and my two boys, Hudson, who's four, and Leo, who's nearly one and a half and has just started walking. So if you see a little Aww. kid tottering around with his arms in the air, a bit like that, then you, you'll notice him. <laughs> Hudson is a great name. If this was going to be a boy, he was going to be Hudson. Ah, but, yeah. Strong name. I didn't nick it from Joel. Virgo. No, yeah. Uh, well, you say that. You say that. Right. I hand, I'm going to hand over. Okay? That's fine. No Go problem. Great. Thank you. Well, so if you've wandered in here and you're, you're not aware of what seminary you're in, as has been said, it's handling the low times in life. So we're going to look at the whole area of kind of deep sadness, sorrow, depression, and that kind of thing. Now, I'm standing here today not because I'm any kind of expert in this area. In fact, to be honest, I wouldn't necessarily say I'm well-read in this area. All I am is just an ordinary human being, like you guys, who's been through some... Um, quite dark times in my life and so I just hope hopefully some of what I share my story will help you a bit and there'll be a few things from scripture that hopefully I can bring that can help you as well but before I get into any of the teaching I just wanted to show you a, a couple of pictures hopefully um, they'll be able to bring them up on the screen I'm hoping someone somewhere will uh, we'll, we'll be doing that no this this is hopefully going to be a picture of my two boys if they don't bring it up then that's totally fine no, 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 it's totally fine. 
Essentially, it was a picture of my two boys. Okay, they're very sweet. Um, as brothers do, they love each other. They enjoy each other. Big beaming faces. And there was a, basically a picture of them with very smiley faces. And then in a moment, um, they're enjoying one another. Leo, the youngest, arches his back, knocks the head of Hudson. And Hudson, uh, oh, I wish you'd seen it, but he, ha- he has this real scowl, this angry face. I think he gets it from me. And uh, there was this moment where he got extremely angry with Leo. And then very soon after, you can guess what happens next in the story, he got very, very angry and took a swipe at his brother, smashed him in the head, and uh, Leo bursts into tears. And Hudson, because we are good parents, we tell him off, and he bursts into tears as well. And so there's this moment in about a 10-second period where we go from happiness to anger to sadness very quickly. And the reason I was going to show that was because... Oh, here we go, here we go, here we go. I've spoiled it now. The punchline's been told. There you go, happy, enjoying themselves, very smiley. Uh, then Leo kind of arches his back, knocks Hudson's face. There it is. Angry face. We, we are scared of this angry face. This is a really angry face. And uh, so uh, took matters into his own hands and then... And then... And then... Smash. There we go. There we go. Leo bursts into tears and Hudson bursts into tears because we tell him off. So the reason I show that is because children, more than any other human being, show us that we as human beings are emotional beings. And we can experience a range of emotions in a very short period of time. Okay? Now, what I want to say from the outset is God is the originator of all emotions. Okay? We can sometimes look at the darker emotions, sadness, anger, and think somehow they're from Satan. But actually, no. All emotions are given by God as a gift. God is himself an emotional being, and he's created us in his image to be emotional um, people. And so we are to embrace emotions, we're to celebrate them, we're to experience emotions. But at the same time, I'd want to say that emotions are um, strong, they're powerful things. And so though we're to, to embrace and enjoy them, we need to be careful with our emotions. Now, you're probably one of these two ends. Either you're someone who is led by your emotions, emotions, if you like, your guide. Anyone feel they're led by their emotions? They make decisions based on their emotions, yeah? A few of you. I don't, who, who, who tends to purchase things on an emotional level? You, you kind of, compulsive buying. Who, who's into compulsive buying? I'm not, but one time I remember, I remember going to Sainsbury's, stepping inside, I parked my car up outside, not in the parking bay, went inside, thought I'm just getting some milk, and I saw this glorious display in front of me, and it was just, it was, what was it, Four ninety nine. I looked down, and guess what I saw? The Naked Gun Trilogy. Yeah? Who likes the Naked Gun Trilogy? Anyone? It's a great trilogy. I pick it up, go to the, ca- the counter, um, buy my milk, buy the Naked Gun Trilogy, come outside, and guess what? Ticket on the car. I've got a parking ticket. Two minutes I was in there. I went home to my wife. I hung my head. I said, I'm really sorry. Um, uh, I went into the... I went to St. Breeze, came back, got a parking ticket, and she was like, What? She's a loving wife. She's very encouraging. Um, and then I said, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. I got the Naked Gun trilogy. Guess what our emotion was? Anger. You're right, yeah, it was. So we're emotional beings, okay? And we have to be careful. And so you might be led by your emotions, you're guided by emotions. Proverbs 25, 28 says this, Like an open city with no defences is the man with no check 
on his feelings. That's a powerful statement, isn't it? If we're led by emotions, if we allow them to dictate how we live, then we're like an open city that is exposed. Others of you, you might be like this. You might be someone who says, well, emotions, they get in the way, they're weak, um, it's all about reason and thinking things through. And in, what you do is you squash your emotions, you press them down, and, it, and what that leads to is escapism. And it can be very dangerous because all of a sudden these emotions can, out of nowhere, flare up if you're squashing them down. And that's where I stand, that's, that's me. And my story is this. When I was in my late 20s, I was asked to lead a church plant. And this was off the back of about 12 years of preparation. When I was kind of a teenager at a thing called Stony Bible Week, uh, which was a bit like New Day, God came and met powerfully with me and gave me a passion for God's church. And so I kind of started training and building towards that. And then in my late 20s, finally I was given this opportunity to lead this church plant. I thought, brilliant, I'm on course. And everything went well. It started well. We grew from about 10 people up to about 60 people within a a space of a couple of years or so. And on the surface, everything was going really well. And people looked at me and thought, Andy's doing brilliantly. And, and, And I thought, yeah, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. But what people didn't see under the cert, this calm exterior was just these legs swimming as hard as they could. And I felt completely overwhelmed with what I was doing. I felt like, I'm not sure I can handle this. I'm not sure I can carry these decisions. I'm not sure I can lead these people. And I began to struggle and stress and strain. And at the same time, my dad, um, we were told, had terminal cancer. And so I remember this moment, it was New Year's um, Eve. My brother's here, he he probably remembers it as well as I do. New Year's Eve in the afternoon, we were told, your dad is not going to live beyond a few months. And I remember just... This is a while ago, sorry. This, this is a while ago, but it's, it still comes back. And I remember we said to ourselves, okay, let's just go to our various New Year's Eve parties, carry on as, as normal. But then I just thought to myself, I need to spend some time with my father if, if this is the way it's going. And I remember just saying to myself, the church plant is great, but more importantly is knowing my dad and spending time with him and and so I remember there being these moments where I would n- help to nurse my dad. And I remember this particular moment when he could no longer walk, having to carry him from the toilet to his bed. And he, he just felt like a sack of bones. And I remember thinking, you used to carry me. Now I'm carrying you. And just thinking, I can't believe this strong man that I used to know is, 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 is becoming weaker and weaker and weaker. And so he died, um, which was obviously a tough, tough, tough time for us. And so I was carrying these two things, the church and all its stresses and strains and my dad's passing. And I remember thinking, I've got to get away. So I went on holiday thinking, I'll come back refreshed. I came back, and though we'd had a great time on holiday, I put my foot down on the gas pedal, and there was no gas. There was nothing. And I remember lying in my bed thinking, I can't get out of bed. I couldn't get out of bed. And I crashed emotionally, completely crashed. I remember having to pick up the phone and tell those who'd sent me from the mother church what was going on. And they came around, they were very sympathetic, they, 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 they said, have two, three months out. Unfortunately, after those two, three months, I was still not doing great, and they decided to pull me right out of the church plant, put someone else there in my place, 
And if you've ever had anything taken away from you, whether it's a parent, a loved one, or uh, something you're doing in your work, your school, a a good friend, you'll know it hurts big time. And so there I was. I just felt lost. I felt at sea. I felt like I didn't know where to turn. I remember going with my friend to the supermarket, and he went off, and I stood in front of the fruit and veg section, and I burst into tears. don't think it was anything to do with the onions. But I burst into tears in public. I would never do that. And I just didn't know where to turn. I was completely lost. And there might be some of you here, even today, you're feeling like, I, I'm at such a low ebb. I'm at rock bottom. I felt at rock bottom. Sorry, I'm really sorry. I didn't know where to turn. But someone said to me this, and it was so profound. Very simple. They said to me, Andy, take care of yourself. Do not beat yourself up. This is not your fault. It's very simple, but it helped me. Okay, look after yourself. Second thing they said to me is take a step. It, can be, it might just be a very small step. It might be very something you think, I don't even know if this is going to do anything, but take a step. Martin Luther King said this, take the first step in faith. You don't have to see the whole, you don't have to see the whole staircase Just take the first step. And for me, all that was simply was getting out my bike and going for a ride around the block. And I felt, wow. I came back from that thinking, oh, I can see things a bit different. My perspective has changed a little bit. And I kept going out on my bike and cycling and cycling and then taking a few more steps. But take a step. What steps can we take? Well, I want to look particularly and specifically at an episode in Jesus' life, okay, because he was someone who went through some dark moments, and his time in the Garden of Gethsemane. We're also going to look at the Psalms as well, but I want to start there. So if you've got your Bibles, you might want to turn there um, to Mark chapter 14, and it's going to come up on the screen, hopefully. Yeah. So Mark 14, verses 32 to 38, says the following. They went to a place called Gethsemane, And Jesus said to his disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James and John along with him and he began to be deeply distressed and troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he said to them. Stay here and keep watch. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Then he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. Simon, he said to Peter, are you asleep? Couldn't you keep watch for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. This is a a profound passage. And what I want to do is just pull a few things out of this, a few steps, if you like, that Jesus took, a few things he did in his moment of intense pain and anguish. So what do we learn? Well, we learn this, firstly, that Jesus, what he did in his moment of anguish is he named what it was he was feeling. He named his emotion. So we read that Jesus was deeply distressed and troubled, and although these are very descriptive words, they aren't the specific emotion that he was feeling. But what he says later in verse 34, he says this, he says, "'My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow.'" to the point of death. Sorrow, deep, deep anguish and sadness was what he felt. 
And I don't know about you, if you've ever been in a low time, have you ever been in this situation where you're just feeling low and it feels just like a blanket of just lowness? You can't quite work out what's going on. You just feel a general sense of feeling low. I don't know if that's like you, but I often feel like that. And sometimes it's difficult to get in touch with our emotions. Sometimes it's hard to pinpoint them. The psalmist says this, he says in Psalm 55 verse 2, my thoughts are restless and I'm confused. And that's the way we are a lot of times. We feel restless, we feel confused, but we can't quite pinpoint what's going on. Now during this season, um, for about a few months, I went to visit a counsellor, which I found really, really helpful. And sometimes that can be a bit taboo, somewhere like this, you can, people can say, oh no, I wouldn't go to see a, a counsellor, I'd just try and work it out on yourself on your own but actually I would say go and find a good counsellor if you're feeling low because I I found it really helpful one of the things they did to me or the guy did to me is he gave me a list of emotions on a couple of bits of paper and he said go away and every day morning and evening sit down with this list and write down the specific emotion or emotions one or two that you're feeling and it sounds simple but I remember sitting down and doing that exercise and feeling like wow okay, I can work out what it is that's going on. Because until we work out what's going on, what's behind how we're feeling, it's difficult to know how to manage and to deal with it. So that's the first thing Jesus does is he names it. Secondly, he shares it. So if you notice, when he expresses what he's feeling, he's sharing it with his disciples, Peter, James, and John. And this is so crucial in dealing with emotions, that you share what you're feeling. Because... If we try and bury them and not talk about them, as I've said earlier, they can do damage to us. So Psalm 32.3 says this in the New Century Version. When I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. And it's true, if you, if you, if you keep them inside you, that it can do damage to you. And I found, for me, that the thing that stopped me from sharing with other people was because I felt I was the only one. I felt I was on my own. I felt it was just me. I thought, I'm the, the weird guy who's struggling with my emotions here. Everyone else seems fine and sorted. When we come to somewhere like New Day, it's fantastic. It's brilliant. And you'll hear loads of great talks in, exhorting you to see people saved, to be filled with the Spirit, to do mighty things for God. And I believe in this room, there are many here who will do mighty things for God. But we can think my deep, deep depression or my struggles or my sadness, it doesn't fit in with what they're talking about here. It's all about joy and going for it and winning people for Christ. But actually, I'm feeling deep despair here. And you feel like, I can't share this. I can't show that I'm weak. I can't do this. And actually, that is a lie from the pit of hell. Okay? Because God uses weak and broken individuals like you and me to do things for him. Paul said, my power is made perfect in weakness, in Ephesians. Okay, and it's so true. God works through weak individuals who don't know what they're doing sometimes. If you read through scripture, it's littered with people who struggle with deep depression and emotions. Take Moses. Okay, he couldn't deal with the fact that the people kept coming to him and badgering him and telling him, Moses, we want to go back. And he's like, I can't deal with this anymore. There's this moment in Numbers 11 where he says, I can't carry these people. The burden is too heavy for me. If you're going to go on treating me like this, please go ahead and kill me. Okay? Moses gets to the point where he wants to die. Elijah, if you know the story on Mount Carmel with the prophets of Baal, he, he has this competition with them and he calls the fire of God down. 
and it burns up the altar. Uh, and he has this moment in God, an amazing moment. But then moments later, Jezebel, the, the, the wife of the king, chases after him because she wants to kill him. And he goes off into the wilderness and he says, God, I can't cope. Why don't you kill me? Jesus himself, as we're looking at here, he gets to a point where he's in such deep distress that he's like, almost like, I want to die. And obviously the Psalms are God's gift to us because they show a man in King David who struggled with deep emotion and it shows how he expressed himself and how he de- dealt with them. So we can see it right through Scripture and even as we look around us today, did anyone read the article that Prince Harry wrote a few days ago? where he, he's basically formed this charity with William and Kate called Heads Together, where they are drawing together a number of people who are well-known, particularly sports people, to tell their stories and to show, actually, you are not alone. Okay? People like Dame Kelly Holmes, Rio Ferdinand, Victoria Pendleton, people you look at and you think, they're, they're, they're amazing people, sorted. They look like they've got the riches, they've got everything. But actually, these are people who've expressed that they've struggled with depression. Even Prince Harry said, himself said that he regrets that he didn't talk about the death of his mother, Princess Diana, and how it affected him until only three years ago. Okay, that's many years have passed. And he said this, he said, It's okay to suffer, but as long as you talk about it, it is not a weakness. Weakness is having a problem and not recognizing it and not solving that problem. Someone once said, emotions heal when heard and validated. And it's amazing. If you carry on reading verse 34, Jesus goes on. The king of heaven, okay, the glorious one who came to earth, what does he do next? He asks for help. Verse 34, he says, stay here and keep watch. Now, we know his friends didn't do a very good job, did they? They fell asleep um, and left Jesus on his own. But the, the point remains that we, we should be people who, who talk to others about what we're feeling and don't keep it to him, ourselves. I was the worst at this. I remember thinking, I'm leading a church here. People are relying on me. If I express what I'm really feeling inside, they're going to reject me. They're going to think I'm not competent. They're going to think I'm weak and unable and feeble and useless, and I'm going to be rejected. But the thing, the beauty about vulnerability is that when you are vulnerable with people, People come running to you to help you. So don't be alone in it. Next, thirdly, pray to God about it. Jesus prays. Uh, In verses 35 to 36, we read this. Going a little farther, he fell to the ground and prayed that if possible, the hour might pass from him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Can you see that? Jesus isn't getting down on his knees and going, I'm going to do the Christian bit and I'm going to pray and glorify God first. I'm going to pray about my friends and the world around me. And then if I feel like it, I'll pray for me because I don't want to be selfish. No, Jesus goes straight into this raw, deep, honest prayer and he says to God, take this cup from me. I can't deal with this. And I remember in my situation going out to the park at moments And just crying out to God, God, I cannot do this. I cannot deal with this anymore, God. Help me. If you can think of no other words, say just say help. Because God loves it when we are raw. God loves it when we are real. God loves it when we pour out all our emotions to him and say, God, I need your help. 
The psalmist says it again and again, doesn't he, when you read, God, why have you done this to me? Why are my enemies assailing me? Why, why, why are you doing this to me? And Jesus does it here. He says, God, if possible, take this cup from me. He didn't want to go through with the plan. He wanted to flee. He wanted to run away. This is the God of heaven. He, he, he was so desperate to get out of that situation. And the amazing thing is, when we come to God like that, when we pray with all our, the depths of our emotion, he comes to us with strength and comfort. And if you read in Luke's version of this story, in Luke twenty-two forty-three, it says this, an angel from heaven appeared to him and strengthened him. Now, you might not feel it immediately. You might not, not feel the strength of God tangibly with you, but he does come. When we call out to him, he strengthens us. Fourth thing, fourth step that you can take is you can submit what you're feeling to God's will. So, so it goes on in verse 36, and Jesus says, Take this cup from me. Then he says, not, Yet not what I will, but what you will. Imagine if Jesus had allowed his emotions to control him in this moment. Imagine if he'd said, I hate this feeling, I don't feel like doing this, therefore I will base my decision upon what I feel. If that had happened, we would all be hopelessly doomed. He wouldn't have gone to the cross. He wouldn't have died the death for you and me that we can come to a loving father and know forgiveness and sin and be children of God. Thank God for that. The good news is that Jesus resisted and he fought back his feelings. And even though he prayed three times to have this cup removed, he was more interested in doing the will of the Father than what he felt like doing. What does submitting to God's will mean? Well, it essentially means this. It means trust. It means saying to God, God, I'm feeling like this. It's awful. It's horrible. But I'm going to give it to you and I'm going to trust you with my circumstances. Yeah, because it's, uh, you know, sometimes we can feel the emotion but not give it to God. We can keep it to ourselves and say, God, I'm not, I'm not giving this to you. I'm going to keep it to myself. Sometimes it, almost it's, it's, it's almost nice to keep this thing to, to yourself. But God actually says, submit it to my will, my will. And if we submit the emotion we're feeling to him, if we offer it to him and choose not to follow it to its logical conclusion, but keep bringing it back to him, even if you have to do it three times, four times, five times or more, he will come to us. Submit it to God's will. And lastly, change it. Now, there are times when the emotion we're feeling is so deep and so profound that we feel like we can't do anything in and of ourselves unless God miraculously does something. But there are moments when we can change how we're feeling. C.S. Lewis, in his book, Mere Christianity, wrote the following. Do not waste your time bothering whether you love your neighbour. Act as if you did. As soon as we do this, we find one of the great secrets. When you're behaving as as if you love someone, you will presently come to love him. If you injure someone you dislike, you'll find yourself disliking him more. If you do him a good turn, you'll find yourself disliking him less. There is something powerful about choosing a different emotion, or at least changing the attitude that you have towards the circumstance that you are facing. Jesus, Jesus did it. You read that he went back to his disciples a third time when they'd fallen asleep and he said to them, it's all over, the time has come, get up, let's go. And although it doesn't say in scripture, there's this moment where he's feeling deep anguish and then he, and then he comes to his disciples and says, right, time is right, let's go. There's, something's happened there. 
And what I think has happened is Jesus has come to terms with what's going on and he said, God, I'm going to decide something different. And we know, that, we know the verse in Hebrews 12 too where it says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame. Jesus chose joy. And you, you see the same thing with King David in Psalm 42 and 43. He's in a moment where he's in exile. He's far from the people of God. People are chasing him. And then he says this to himself. He says, why are you downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my saviour and my God. Can you see what he's doing there? He's speaking to himself. He's saying, this situation is horrendous, but I'm saying to myself, put your hope, soul, in God, for I will yet praise him. There are moments when you can do something and say, I'm going to praise you, God, anyway. You might just put on some worship music or whatever, and though I don't feel like it, I'm just going to worship you. And I think that's what Jesus does and what what the, the psalmist does is they choose, they speak to themselves and choose a different attitude towards their emotion. A guy called Martin Lloyd-Jones, a very clever man, wrote this about Psalm 42 and 43. He said, Have you not realised that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Take those thoughts that come to you the moment you wake up in the morning. You've not originated them, but they start talking to you. They bring back the problems of yesterday. Somebody is talking. Who is talking to you? Yourself is talking to you. Now, this man's treatment was this. Instead of allowing this self to talk to him, he starts talking to himself. I'd encourage you to do that. Speak to yourself. Stir yourself. To finish, I want to say this. The goal of the world around us is to eradicate as much dark emotion as possible and pursue happiness. And we are called to be different. God's called us to embrace the emotions he's given us. They are a gift from him. And our goal is not to elevate one above the other and pursue happiness, though God loves it when we're happy before him. But our goal is to pursue him because only he can help us in those moments when we're dark. His plan is greater than our plan. And if we come to him, he will draw near to us. My wife said to me, what helped you in in that season? It, It went on for a number of years, actually. Okay, because I didn't do some of these steps. I didn't come to God. I didn't submit to him. In fact, there were moments I didn't even believe. I, I, I said almost, I I'm almost don't know if I believe in you, God. I didn't pray to him. I didn't do anything. And so my dark season lingered and persisted. But actually, my wife said to me, what, what helped you? I said, of course you did, my love. But other than that, there was this poem that I came across called The Weaver. And have you ever looked at the back of a tapestry? Has anyone ever looked at the back of a tapestry? You might see see a tapestry. It looks great. You look at the reverse side and it's just a jumble of knots and threads and it doesn't make sense or anything like that. And often that's how we view our own life. We just see this jumble, this mess of knots and stuff going on. But actually God sees the other side. And this poem is about that. I'm going to read it to you. The the language is a bit old-fashioned, but I'm sure you get the gist. It's called The Weaver. My life is but a weaving between my Lord and me. I cannot choose the colours he worketh steadily. Oft times he weaveth sorrow, and I in foolish pride forget he sees the upper, and I the underside. 
Not till the loom is silent and the shuttles cease to fly shall God unroll the canvas and explain the reason why. The dark threads are as needful in the weaver's skillful hand as the threads of gold and silver in the pattern he has planned. Whatever you're going through in life, those dark moments, those moments you think, I can't cope with this anymore. It won't last. It might feel like it's gone on forever and you're not, just not getting through, but it, it will not last. And do you know what? God's plan is to use those moments in his glorious tapestry because they're as important in his tapestry as the threads of gold and silver. Can we stand? And let's close our eyes. There are many individuals in this room. I don't know why you're here. I don't know what's going on in your life at this moment. But God does. And if you feel comfortable raising your hands before him, just as a sign saying, God, I I need you. I'm dependent on you. I just want to pray. Lord Jesus, sometimes we don't know what is going on. Sometimes life just seems a mess. It feels like I couldn't go any lower than I am right now. I come to a place like New Day, everyone seems happy, and my temptation is I just put on a, a smiley face and a mask and say, yeah, I'm doing well. But deep down, only I know what's really going on. And I pray, Lord Jesus, in this moment as we're standing here, if anyone is feeling like that or perhaps they've felt like that recently, we want to be people who trust you and bring everything we're feeling, all the muck, all the dirt, all the horribleness that's going on inside of us before you. And the miracle is this. Not one of the characters in the Bible that we read is superhuman. Every single one of them is weak. And you come to weak, broken, cracked, messed up individuals and you mould us and shape us in your image if we would submit ourselves to you. You are the potter, we are the clay. And I pray this morning that you would begin to mould and shape broken individuals in this room and raise them up to be a mighty, glorious army you. I pray your hands of love would wrap around each individual in this room. I pray your Holy Spirit would come gently upon individuals in this room right now. I pray Holy Spirit come and meet with people in this shed. Come and meet with people where they're at. Come and move I pray. Come Lord Jesus.